You know, we, we sing songs when we get together on the weekends, not because it's fun and enjoyable and entertaining to sing songs and have a band and, and have a music time. Have you ever thought about just for as far as having a public gathering um, with a, you know, a public speaker how strange it is to have this time where we all stand up and sing songs together. It just That doesn't happen a lot in other types of public gatherings. But we do that because there's so much power in the words we speak. There's so much power and authority when we speak God's word. And, a lot, and most of these songs, if you sit down with your Bible and look at the lyrics of these songs, they're based out of Scripture. And what the word says. And so when we sing words like, I'm no longer a slave to fear, I'm a child of God. We're making a statement that is more than just singing lyrics to a song, you know. Uh, Something is happening. We're making a statement of faith, even prophetic statements. And so I just want to encourage you before we go any further, don't ever take that lightly. Even when you're on your own, when you have your own time with God and you're just singing and praising uh, uh, the Lord, be aware and realize what's happening when you sing those words, when you proclaim and declare the words of those songs of worship. Something powerful happens. So I'm just so thankful we can do that. And I love music. So this has been kind of a crazy week, yeah? A little bit different. Um, how many of you have been out to the grocery store. I'm assuming most of you ventured out and tried that. How many of you have had difficulty locating some Charmin or, okay, right over here. You know what? We believe in blessing here at Journey Church. So here we go. That's right. Now listen, you can keep that, uh, or you could put it on eBay and trade it for a four-bedroom house. It's because there's, there's value in that. It's crazy what's been going on, and um, I had Pastor Sean had asked me to speak this weekend, and so I was preparing a message um, to keep us moving on in the um, uh, Path of the Exile series, and we were going to take the next section of First Peter today. And then on Wednesday, I really uh, clearly felt God tell me to just drop that and talk about uh, what is a kingdom of God response to fear. Okay? And so that's what we're going to do today. And I, I want to um, try to pull your focus as much as possible past the fear. Because we're going to talk a lot today about fear and how we as believers respond to it. But there's something beyond fear uh, for us. You know, there's something that happens after we've dealt with that and moved past it that I really want to leave you with today. So I want to kind of just plant that seed right now and, and pull you to that point today. But in light of everything that's been going on, I just, I, I just heard God say that's what we're supposed to do. So... If, if you have had any connection with the world at all this week, if, you, if you're not living in a, 
in a, in a fallout shelter with no internet access, then you know what's been going on. You know about the coronavirus, the spread of that. You've seen a lot of uh, reactions to it. And, and what I think we've seen this week is we've seen a lot of wise reactions and responses. And then we've also seen a lot of overreaction and fear-based responses at the same time. So we've seen a little bit of a mix of both. So some are wisdom and some are fear-based. But one thing's true. The spirit of fear is spreading much quicker than the virus itself. Anybody agree with that? So I even checked this morning. I've been checking every day to just try to be up on statistics that are being reported. And uh, this morning, um, uh, it's reported that still in the state of Missouri, there are two confirmed cases of the coronavirus. There are some presumptive cases, but there are two confirmed cases in the entire state of Missouri. So what's happening, I just want to kind of bring things into focus here. What's happening is we are not actually uh, dealing with or encountering the virus itself. What we're dealing with, what's, what's, what's affecting our daily life, is the response to the virus, right? And so, again, I want to be real careful here to make the point that there are wise responses to the virus. Um, and then there are crazy, over-the-top, fear-based responses to the virus, too. But, I mean, when you came in today, we're not shaking hands. We've got hand sanitizer everywhere. We're going over the top with the way we're keeping this place clean. Um, people that are not feeling well have, are staying home, and they're going to watch this online when it comes out. And so there are wise responses in the natural that we need to be doing as responsible people and as sons and daughters of God in this earth. But we want to be careful to draw the line between what's wise and what's fear-based. So um, on Wednesday, I think was, a, was somewhat of a turning point for a lot of people that maybe pushed some people over the edge into panic mode and hysteria because we heard a lot of different things um, come through the news on Wednesday that were all pretty big, honestly, historic things that happened on Wednesday. So the financial markets plunged dramatically. Uh, the March Madness basketball games were limited to essential staff and limited family in attendance. That's a pretty big deal. NBA suspended its season. NHL, I believe MLB, is postponing their season. That represents, I don't even know how much money that represents, that that is being shut down temporarily or, or for however long. Of course, the president suspended travel to Europe for 30 days. On Wednesday, the World Health Organization uh, uh, declared the outbreak a pandemic, and uh, uh, Friday, the president declared a national emergency. Most of the governors of states followed suit, did the same thing, and then, of course, we've seen mayors do things. It's kind of trickled down through our government, and uh, most alarming of all, um, actor Tom Hanks tested positive for coronavirus, so... Now, just trying to lighten the mood a little bit. But it is a serious thing. It's, uh, 
It is serious. And the way people are responding to this is a mix of a wise reaction and a fear reaction. So, um, you know, if you go to the store, like I say, I think some people must be building protective domes over their houses with toilet paper because I don't know where it's all going. Nobody needs that much toilet paper. Um, Leave some for the rest of us. But what I want to do is I want to single out the two main things that are going on right here. And let's separate out the two main things that are going on. Number one, there is a virus. There is a virus. It's not fantasy. It's not made up. It's not a government conspiracy. It's, 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 it's real. There is a virus. There are people that um, are getting sick. Some people have died. It's, it's not a made-up fantasy. And, you know, we're not a church that don't believe germs exist or something like that. We know that we live in a fallen, broken world. And we also know that we have bodies that have not yet been changed. You know, the Bible says that when Jesus appears, we'll be like him and we'll be changed in the twinkling of an eye. That's awesome to think about. But when you got saved, your spirit was recreated into new life and your wall-to-wall Holy Spirit in there. And that's awesome. And, and you are as saved as you're ever going to be in your spirit. But the Bible says that our soul is going through a process of transformation, right? Romans 12, 2 says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed, present case, ongoing by the renewing of your mind. So our soul is going through a process of transformation. The whole course of our life that's going on. And our bodies have not changed, right? I mean, if you're bald when you get saved, you're bald after you get saved. So we, our bodies will see total transformation someday, <laughs> but we don't see it right now. And so we live in a world that's broken, fallen, it has sickness in it, and we live in bodies that God requires us to be responsible for, be good stewards of, and take care of. So we have to realize that there is a virus, and we have to be wise about that. But the, the second issue that is connected to but separate from the, the, the fact that there's a virus is there is also fear and panic. There's fear and panic. And the way we respond to the first issue is totally different than the way we respond to the second issue. Um, because like I said, the spirit of fear is spreading a lot quicker than the virus itself. So how do we respond when fear surrounds us? Should there, be, should there be a difference in the way someone who follows Jesus responds as opposed to someone who doesn't know the Lord? Should there be a difference in the way we respond? Is there a balance between what we call faith and what we call wisdom? Or are we in some scenario where we have to choose one or the other? It's like, well, do I want to be a faith person or do I want to be a wise person? Do we have to choose between the two? In other words, this bottle of hand sanitizer, if I use this, does that mean I have no faith? Right? So if I put this, you, you get where I'm going with this? If I put this on my hands, 
Are you going to say, well, where, <laughs> where's your faith, Aaron? You know? Do we have to choose between the two? Or is there a sweet spot where faith and wisdom coexist arm in arm, hand in hand? It's a good question. Is wisdom a godly response? I think it probably is. How do God's promises and our identity impact our response in practical terms? So how, how do the promises of God that we are aware of and the identity that we are aware of, the, the change that God has made when he says, you are a son and a daughter of God, you're no longer a slave to fear, how does that impact our practical response to something like this? So if wisdom is a godly response, then we should want wisdom. James 1.5 says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. So God gives wisdom to those who ask. It's God's plan for us to be wise. And in fact, so this verse that we just read goes so far as to say God's saying, look, if you lack wisdom, just let me know, because I would love to give you wisdom, because I want you to have wisdom. So if you lack it, come ask me for it. I'll give it to you. Everybody needs to have wisdom and be wise. And it's easy to be wise when you understand that we have a part to play, and God has a part to play. So there's our part, and there's God's part, okay? So it's not, it's not one of the two extremes. And that's, sometimes that's where we have to be careful this situation is not just a sit back and do nothing and say, well, whatever happens must be God's will. If I get the virus, I get the virus. If I don't get the virus, I don't get the virus. There's nothing I can do about it. It's all in God's hands. That's an extreme. Um, the other extreme would be to say, God's not a part of this. God's standing far off. He's just an observer. He has nothing to do with this. It's all on me. If I get the virus, it's because I didn't do enough. And if I didn't get the virus, it's because I was so, you know, I washed my hands so many times. It's neither one of those things. We have a part to play, and God has a part to play. So there are things that we do in the natural that are wise. There are systems God put in place as a part of our health that exist in the natural, not in the supernatural, okay? We're going to talk about the supernatural in a second. And, and, of course, if you've been here before, you know, we, we, we talk about the supernatural. We talk about healing. We talk about miracles. We believe in that strongly. But there are also natural responses that are just as godly and just as much a part of God's plan as healing and miracles and the supernatural power of God. So what are some of those things? Pretty simple, really. Washing your hands. Good hygiene, eating nutritional foods. By the way, somebody just caught me a few minutes ago before service and said, thanks a lot, Aaron. Uh, we went home last night, and my kids told us we needed to stop having junk food. So, <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> Exercise, avoiding bad foods, and rest. This is just, that's a short list right there. These are things that God put in our hands 
to be able to do uh, to have a healthy life. When you think about it, the human body, even in its present form, you know, I don't believe that we are the same that, that we were in the Garden of Eden before everything got messed up. And so we live, I mean, God talked about how there, uh, there was a change that happened. But even in our current state, it's amazing, the human body. I mean, God designed these bodies that if you take care of them and you properly maintain them, they are designed to repel sickness. It has an immune system built into it that if properly maintained, fights off sickness. But there are practical steps that are wisdom that we have to take. So uh, none of these things on this list here are supernatural, but all of them were put in place by a supernatural God. So actually doing these things is a way, doing these natural things is a way of walking in faith because you're walking in the way that God calls. God calls us to be stewards of our bodies, to take care of our bodies. So this is an act of faith. Eating Cheetos and drinking Coke in front of the TV while claiming divine health is not faith. It's not faith. So just because Mark 16 talks about picking up snakes and drinking poison, it doesn't mean we should go out and grab a snake and throw back a glass of strychnine. Just because Daniel 3 talks about being in a fiery furnace does not mean you should set yourself on fire or climb into the lion's enclosure at the zoo. And just because Peter was walking on water when Jesus called him out, doesn't mean you should go out to Smithville Lake and test that out. Here's what I'm saying. Not setting yourself on fire, not drinking poison, and not playing with poisonous snakes, these are examples of wisdom, right? I think you'd all agree with me with that. In other words, we use wisdom and do everything that God has put in our power to be in this natural world. And we have responsibilities to be good stewards of the bodies that God has given us. But here's where we switch over. Remember I said we have our part and we have God's part. And we have to understand where that line is. Most people get stressed out when they don't understand where the line is. Because what a lot of people do is they move the line between our part and God's part over into God's part, right? And they start doing things that are actually God's part. And then they realize they can't do those things. They're not equipped to do those things. They never were equipped to do those things. And they start feeling the weight of those things and they get stressed out about it rather than just simply resting in God's promises and who he says he is and letting him do his part. So when we've gotten to the end of everything we're supposed to do to be responsible stewards of the things God has given us in the natural, then we entrust him with everything else. So that's called faith, when we stand on the word of God and we speak life. And it's really important in a situation like this. One of my favorite scriptures in the whole Bible is Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 8. And it says, trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. 
In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll straighten your path. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn from evil. This will bring healing to your flesh and strengthen your bones. It says that if we trust God, that it actually brings healing to our physical bodies. That's what that means. And the thing that sticks with me the most out of that series of verses is the first verse. Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. It doesn't say to not have understanding. It doesn't say to not have understanding. It just says don't lean on it. Because you all have a lot, every single person in this room, I would venture to guess, has quite a bit of understanding about the coronavirus right now. Because we've been getting a steady diet of information, most of it intended to incite fear about the coronavirus this week. Most of us know where it spread, where it started. Most of us know what cities have been affected the most. A lot of us know, you know, vaguely how many people have passed away. We have all this information and knowledge about this situation. Are we leaning on that understanding or are we trusting in God and leaning on him? That's what that says. And that's the key there is you do that and it does bring healing to your flesh. So with the flood of news media coverage, this is a perfect example to do a little self-evaluation. It's a perfect example to stop and examine yourself and really find out where you're at. Because... It's easy to talk the talk. It's easy to come in here and say faith-sounding words. Um, It's not hard to do that. It's easy to come in here and sing songs. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. But a time like this, when there is pressure, it's a perfect opportunity to take a look at where you really are, where you're really living, where you really stand. And it's a great time. It's great to do that because if you you evaluate yourself and you find out, oh, I am leaning on my own understanding. My understanding of this situation is affecting the way I feel. It's affecting the things I think. It's affecting the things I do. I'm responding to fear. It's good to know that because you can change it. You can change it. Um... And we have to be careful, especially, I believe, as Christians, because of um, we have kind of our own, how do I say this? We kind of have our own little set of behaviors and attitudes that are acceptable or unacceptable within circles like this. This church, other churches, just kind of the world of Christians. And we all know that you're not supposed to be in fear. You know, we kind of all accept that and understand that. And we all know that you're supposed to be in faith. But what sometimes we can do, and this is why it's so important to understand that line between wisdom and fear. Sometimes what we can do is we can pass off fear as wisdom. And we can, we can create a space for fear in our heart. 
and we can masquerade it as wisdom and not do anything about it. You see what I'm saying? We can say, well, you know, I'm not afraid of this thing. I'm just trying to be wise. Now, this is something. Now, I want you to just remember, I just spent the whole introduction to this message talking about the wise things we need to do. So I am not saying that anybody needs to do a foolish, religious thing in the name of faith, because that's just foolishness. This is something you have to examine yourself. You have to, you and the Holy Spirit need to identify what's happening in your heart. Are you acting in faith and wisdom, or do you have fear in your heart and you're masquerading it as wisdom? There's a big difference there. On the surface, it may not look that much different. And, and I may not be able to tell the difference, and the people around you may not be able to tell the difference, but you'll know the difference, and so does God. So we have to understand that uh, some things are out of our control. After we've done all the things that we need to do to be wise, some things are out of our control. And we either trust him or we don't trust him. Okay? Um, you either do or you don't. I mean, if you've washed your hands, you've got your 12-year stock up of toilet paper, and you've done everything you need to do, at the end of that, do you trust God or are you in fear? Where are you at? Examine your heart. Ask God to examine your heart. Don't be in fear. Don't be in fear. Times like these will reveal where you stand. Times like these, this pressure will reveal where you're at. And the thing about pressure is that pressure will make the things on the inside come out. And that's good. Because we want things that are on the inside to be revealed. So when you've done everything that wisdom demands, we can only do so much in the natural and in the practical. The rest happens in the supernatural. Okay? So we've talked about wisdom. We've talked about things and steps that we take that are wise in the natural. We've talked about the fact that these natural things are provided to us by a supernatural God. And it really is walking in faith. But when we have done our part, remember I said there is God's part. And there is a supernatural response that we also uh, can do in times like this. I want you to think about a few things. These physical bodies that we have, the Bible says that these bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. These bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. They're not just any old natural physical body. There's something significant and holy and and special about your physical body. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. Not only that, we are in covenant with God. We are in covenant with God. It's more than just a promise. It's a covenant that was sealed with the blood of God's Son. And that blood was shed, listen, that blood was shed for the health and healing of your physical body. The Old Testament says that. The New Testament says that. These bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. 
We're in covenant with God, a covenant that was sealed by the blood of God's own son and shed in part to, to pay the price for your bodies to be healthy and healed. That's the situation, and that's all supernatural. So when we, listen, in other words, if you're a Christian, your body belongs to Jesus, okay? You are not your own. Your body belongs to Jesus. It's Jesus's body. He paid the price for it. He did. It's not just some words out of a hymn or, or, or something like that. Don't let, the, don't let this, the, the weightiness and the meaning and the significance of that go over your head. Jesus paid the price for it. And he paid the price for you to be well. The Bible says he literally took stripes on his back for you to be well. So listen, Jesus is more invested in your health, your health and healing than you are. Because he's the one that paid for it. He did. And whenever, when, when I pray for people for healing, uh, there is a phrase that that just resonates in me many, many times. And I believe that this is the heart of God. And, and it actually comes from, from, an, from something else. Uh, I'm not going to get into that. This is the phrase. The lamb is worthy of the reward of his suffering. The lamb is worthy of the reward of his suffering. When we pray for healing, when we believe for healing, when we walk in healing, we are... We are praying for something that Jesus wants, okay? So it's important to understand this because when we get this, we can let go of fear. When we get this, we can let go of fear. When we understand what our part in wisdom to do is, and we do that, and when we trust God and walk in the supernatural part, there's no room left for fear. There's no room left. So when we get this, we can let go of fear. <clears throat> and we have to be free from fear. Because there, we have a purpose. This time that we're in is not just about, uh, it's not just about us. There's a purpose for us. We're here for a reason. God loves this world. And the way that he's chosen to reveal himself to this world is through us. Right? I mean, Jesus isn't being born in a manger again. He's, he's, he's talking to the world through us. And we have to be free from fear. We can't operate the way we need to operate if we're bound up in fear. Fear is a false prophet that tells you lies about your future to influence you to make fear-based decisions. Fear is a false prophet that tells you lies about your future to influence you to make fear-based decisions. We would never trust a person who lied to us as much as our fears. So why do we trust our fears? We need to start doubting our doubts. Fear belongs in the old mindset. Fear belongs in that way of thinking that has passed away. It doesn't belong in us. Wisdom and faith have replaced fear for us. There is a um, verse that if you've been on social media at all this week, 
I know you've seen it at some point or another because it's being posted everywhere. And you could just say, well, this is, of course, this is what people are posting because it just seems to fit the best or make the most sense. I really honestly believe that God is speaking to his people through this verse. I believe this is the word of the Lord to the church at this time. Everywhere that I've turned, I've seen this verse again and again and again. And it's 2 Timothy 1.7. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Listen, if it didn't come from God, you don't have to accept it. If it didn't come from God, you do not have to accept it. Fear does not come from God. Fear will knock on your door, but you get to choose whether or not you're going to open the door. You do not have to open the door. Just because you get tempted to fear doesn't mean that you've let fear in. We're, I mean, we're all going to be tempted to fear. There's nothing wrong with being tempted to fear. You do not have to let fear in, though. And if God didn't give you fear, then where does it come from? Well, that's pretty obvious. It comes from, at this point in time, it comes from everywhere, right? And it's important to be aware of that. It comes from the conversations you have with people when you're out and about. It comes from any time you turn on the TV. It comes from any time you turn on your phone or your computer. It is saturating our culture right now, and we have to be aware that fear is all around us. And I'm getting ahead of myself, but it's just what I'm the most excited about. Our response to fear is not to just battle fear and protect ourselves from fear. Our response to fear is to neutralize it with a different message, okay? Because God wants to counteract this with his love and his hope. And again, the way he does that is through his people. If we're his hands and we're his feet, it's how he's operating in this world. And so we have to be very careful, and I'm going to talk about this more in just a second, but we have to be very careful that we don't become doomsday preppers that seclude ourselves in our basement with our million rolls of toilet paper. And forget about the world because we're only here for the world. That's it. If, it, if, it, if there was any other reason, I don't know what it is. We're here for them. That's why we're here. We're going to spend forever in the unfiltered presence of the great I am. And we're here now for them, not for us, for them. And we should spend and be spent for that purpose. That's the reason. That's why we're here. And we can't let this situation cloud our vision and our purpose and our direction and our reason for being here. So uh, the spirit of fear, right now you can kind of rate how much fear is in your culture uh, pretty easily. Sarah and I uh, lived in Arkansas for... Um, three years, 2011 to 2014. And it was interesting when we lived there because Arkansas is just enough south of here, just enough that the winters down there were a little bit different than they were up here. Not much, but a little bit. Um, they would tend to get more ice when we would get more snow. 
And so like if there was a, a winter storm up here that like say five inches of snow down there, it might be like one inch of snow. So when snow was in the forecast in Arkansas, people would just freak out. And they would just lose their minds. And if any of you are visiting from Arkansas, I apologize, but I used to live there, so I feel like I've got a little tiny bit of street cred. (laughs) But what Sarah and I would do sometimes is when we saw a forecast coming that says, winter storm warning, you know, two inches of snow expected, we would go to the store and just watch people. And they would, I mean, and it happens here to a degree too, but they would clean out the milk and the bread. I mean, what the toilet paper aisles look like right now, the milk and the bread aisles looked like that every single time a winter storm would come. They would just clean it all out. And you realize you're talking about at the most one day of being stuck in your house. And I even would ask some of the managers at the grocery store, it's like, what are these people doing with all this milk and bread? It doesn't even make any sense. And he's like, I don't know. It's like, how many, how many, what do you, I don't know. With five gallons of milk and 10 loaves of bread, I mean, are you, I guess there's a lot of French toast being consumed in winter storms. But panic would take over. Panic would take over. And God does not give us fear, but God has given us incredible resources to equip us in times of fear. Incredible. This is supernatural. These things are supernatural things. These things are gifts from God that operate above and beyond the limits of what's happening in the natural. I like to call them superpowers, but it's what it is. It's supernatural. So God doesn't give us fear. But in times of fear, and really at all times, God gives us power. God gives us power. Supernatural power. God has supplied us with power. He's given us the authority of his name. Jesus said, the things that I do, you're going to do these things too. You're going to do greater things than these. Jesus has given us the privilege to to speak in his name. So the things that Jesus did, we can do those things because it's not in our name. I can't do anything in the name of Aaron, but I can do all things through who? Jesus. God has given us power. Listen, this is, this is powerful right here. Um, every problem, for every problem, there is a promise. And for every promise, there is a provision. So no matter what problem you encounter, there is a promise that is attached to it. And for every promise you have, there's a provision that attaches to that. Because God's power backs up God's promises. Now the second thing that God has given us, especially in times of fear, is supernatural love. Supernatural love. And maybe... Just maybe on the surface, you're thinking about that, and it's like, I don't understand why that's one of the things we get. Because it seems like if, if there's a time of fear, we need the power, and, and we need the next one, which is a sound mind. And, but why do we need love in times of fear? It's really simple. 
For, for one thing, the Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. So love is like the antidote to fear, not bravery, but love. But the bigger reason is, is that the power, listen, the power that I just talked about is not for us. It's for them. It's for them. The power that God gives us is for the world to be demonstrated through us, through us. And we have to be really, really intentional and careful that in times like this, we are not retreating into a self-preservation mode. Because that's not why we're here. You know, the purpose of our life on this earth is not to see how long we can live on this earth. It's to see how many people we can bring into the kingdom of God. It's to spread the love of Jesus. God loves, listen, oh, I just pray, Lord, help everybody hear this right now in Jesus' name. God loves people so much. God loves this world more than any of us really truly understand. And you have to try to understand God's position and God's perspective. He wants to pour his love out on this world. He wants to love people, the people that you live next door to, the people that you work next to. He wants to love people. And he is restricting himself to loving people through us. So there's an awful lot of love that wants to be sent to these people's lives and God is funneling it through our lives because we're his hands, we're his feet, we're his ambassadors, we're his representatives in this world. We're the salt, we're the light. And at times like this, when there is a lot of fear to people that don't know Jesus, it means fear, terror, and panic. To people who know Jesus, it means a giant window of opportunity has just opened. And we have to see it that way. We have to see it that way. This isn't, this isn't the time to go into protective mode. Now, if you're watching this online, feel free to reverse back to the early part of the message where I talked about all the wisdom stuff. Because that still holds. We have to be wise. We have to be responsible. God calls us to be wise stewards over ourselves. But we also have to keep in, in mind the bigger picture, the perspective of the kingdom of God in this time. Our purpose is to be a light to the world. What that looks like may be different for each person. I mean, I'm not trying to detail all of that stuff out for you. I'm just trying to give you the big picture and the perspective. You could say that we're seeing unprecedented or historic fear, and I would agree. I mean, canceling travel overseas, shutting down all the major league sports stuff, national emergency, shutting down large gatherings, you know, Disneyland, Disney World, Tom Hanks, all that. It, it is unprecedented. It is historic. But it's also a historic opportunity. It's also an unprecedented opportunity to show people there is a difference when Jesus lives in your heart. 
There is hope that you can't find anywhere else. There's love that you can't find in any other way. It's a ch- when, the, when, when days are darker, it just makes light shine brighter. The light that you shine gets more and more evident, and it's a perfect opportunity for people to see how Jesus has changed your life. Because people are looking for peace right now. People are looking for hope. People may be thinking about things like eternity and heaven and God and looking for peace that they weren't looking for before when they were so distracted with all the regular stuff that's going on that is now shut down. So let's not miss that opportunity. Last thing God gives us that is a supernatural response to fear is a sound mind, a sound mind. You and I do not need to descend into panic, hysteria, worry, anxiety, stress, fear. There's no reason for that to happen. Uh, Jesus uh, gives us, Jesus is the prince of peace. He gives us peace. Philippians, the book of Philippians says that we are not to be anxious for anything, for anything, but in all things make our requests made known to God and the peace of God, which passes understanding, will guard our hearts, that's our feelings, and our minds, that's our thought. So we don't have to descend into fear and worry and hysteria and panic. God has given us a sound mind. If you look at what sound mind means, it means self-control, it means sound judgment, it means personal discipline, and a well-balanced mind. And so we need to understand, when it comes to this coronavirus thing, we're not out of the woods yet. We're still passing through the woods. And so you will continue to see things change. You may see people continue to overreact, and there may be more restrictions that are imposed. But in a time of fear, God gives us supernatural power, supernatural love, and a supernatural peace and a sound mind. And as I come in for a landing here, I want to just talk about one more verse that we've seen a lot this week. And the band can go ahead and come on back up. 2 Timothy 1.7 is, is one that you've seen everywhere. And the other uh, scripture passage that has been just plastered everywhere, and for good, good reason, is chapter 91 from Psalms, Psalms 91. And it is a very right now word for you. Um, Now, I don't know if you've ever heard this in the past, but sometimes Psalms 91 is called Heaven's 911. And... uh, the, re- the way people refer to it that way is to say, you know, just like when you dial 911, Psalms 91 is, is, is when, you have a, when you have an emergency, then you go here. And, and, and at times of, of fear, you go here, just like dialing 911. But see, I don't agree with that because I don't think that Psalms 91 is talking about something you do just in a time of need or in a time of fear. Because listen to what it says. Verse 1 of Psalms 91 says this. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty One. So what it's saying is, he who chooses to stay in the secret place with God 
will constantly abide under the protection of God. Dwelling indicates where you live, not where you visit. So it's not a visitation, it's a habitation. This is talking about a place you stay. Listen to some of the other verses in chapter 91. Uh, Verse 3 says this. And and these are all referring back to to he who dwells in the secret place. Verse 3 says, The Lord will keep you safe from secret traps and deadly diseases. Uh, Verse 6 says, And you won't fear diseases that strike in the dark or sudden disaster at noon. And then verses 9 through 10 say, The Lord Most High is your fortress. Run to him for safety, and no terrible disasters will strike your home. You've heard it said this week that one of the most aggressive ways to stop the spread of a virus is to quarantine yourself in your home. To shut yourself away in your home. And if everybody did that, it would slow or stop the spread of a virus. By the same token, one of, if not the most effective way to stop the spread of the spirit of fear is to quarantine yourself in the secret place with God. He who dwells in the secret place will abide under the protection of the Most High God. And I believe that one of the most important things we can do right now for ourselves and to equip ourselves to share the love of Jesus with the world is to spend time digging and diving deeper into our relationship with God, pushing harder into our relationship with Jesus, and spending our time in that secret place. It's where all the answers are. It really is. I mean, I could do a whole teaching on that. Trust me, it is. But we have to just remember, number one, there are wise things that we need to do. There are natural things that we need to do that is our responsibility to do. God put them there, and it is walking in faith. Number two, There are supernatural things that God will do when we stand up, we speak in faith, and we walk in that. God will do his part. And number three, we have to remember that this is not about us, that we are here to represent him. We're ambassadors. This is an embassy of heaven on earth. And that's our job. That's our our job. And so uh, let's go ahead and stand up. We're going to worship here again, but I want to pray. And I, and I want to ask you to pray with me. The president declared na- today to be a national day of prayer, um, addressing this issue of the coronavirus. And I'm very thankful that we live in a country that recognizes that the supreme authority is God. And so we're going to join with thousands and thousands and thousands of other churches across the country this morning, and we're going to pray and uh, speak faith and speak life. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. We're so grateful and we're so thankful, God, right now that we are your sons and your daughters. 
We used to be something else, but that something else is dead and gone. And now we are who you made us to be. And we're part of your royal family, God. We have eternal life with you. It's already started. And God, you've placed us here to be your ambassadors and your representatives in this world. You've given us the authority of the name of Jesus to speak in this world. And so right now, we use that authority. We take up that authority now. And in the name of Jesus, we come against fear. We seize control of the spirit of fear in Jesus' name. And we cancel it in Jesus' name. We put it to a stop right now. We put up a boundary and a barrier in the name of Jesus. And we say, fear you will go no further. And we come against panic in Jesus' name. We come against a spirit of hysteria in the name of Jesus. And we say, peace be still in the name of Jesus right now in Jesus' name. We will not allow fear to progress any further. We cancel it in the name of Jesus. In this church, in the city of Liberty, in the state of Missouri, in the United States and across the world, we come against a spirit of fear. As the people of God, we stand up and we say no more. In the name of Jesus, no more. Let there be peace. Let there be hope. Let there be joy and let it emanate from the Son of God in Jesus' name. And we speak to the spread of this virus. And we, in the name of Jesus, we command this virus to be gone. In Jesus' name, we speak death to this virus. In Jesus' name, wherever it is, wherever it's manifesting, in whatever body it's in, in whatever surface it sits on, in whatever airspace it's traveling in, we command it to die in Jesus' name. We come against the coronavirus, and we release the life of God right now in Jesus' name. We, we will not stand for it. We command it to be gone in the name of Jesus and we say, Lord, let your reality of heaven be manifest here on earth in Jesus' name right now. We thank you, God. And Lord, we just right now formally and intentionally, we ask you, God, to equip us and to activate your people right now in whatever creative way you lead us into to be a light in this darkness, God. Whether it's a certain neighbor or a certain co-worker or family member, or even if it's on a much bigger scale. God, we put ourselves in your hand right now. We make ourselves available to you. We say, Lord, we are not slaves to fear. We are your sons and your daughters, and we are here ready to serve right now in Jesus' name. We don't have fear. Lord, we're ready to be the antidote. We're ready to be the solution in this situation, God. We give ourselves to you. And Lord, we just give you all praise right now, Lord. You have changed us. You've saved us. We're not slaves to fear. We're your son and daughter. Thank you, Jesus.